0: you have your Bibles open to the book of Psalms this morning to Psalm 126. And I've been dealing with the Psalms on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings for the past four weeks. And I hope you were able to join with us on uh, Wednesday night. If, if you haven't seen this past Wednesday night, I want to encourage you to go back and watch it on YouTube or uh, Facebook because I really laid out how Psalms are categorized. And let me just deal with this right briefly. It's the teacher in me has to get this out, and then I'll preach, all right? So psalms are categorized into five books. The first book deals with chapters or psalms 1 through 41, and that's what I sealed off and finished on this past Wednesday night. And if you all watched it, you know, man, I just opened up and read Psalm 27, which is arguably my favorite psalm, and I read it, and I just started crying. It's so absolutely powerful, you know? and I'm going to deal with a part of it this morning. Okay, so then we're going to progress through the Psalms. But on Sunday mornings, I've just been like picking out some of the favorite Psalms or some of the most famous Psalms and dealing with them on Sunday morning. So I've preached from Psalm 1, Psalm 23, Psalm 91. And this morning, I'm going to deal with Psalm 126. And Psalm 126 may not be the t- one of the top 10 most famous or liked Psalms, but it is very well known. And it's, part of a group of psalms called the ascent psalms or the ascent songs or the songs of degree. Okay? So once every, three times every year, every male in Israel had to go to the temple. And they had to go to the temple to celebrate the festivals. And we're told according to history that when they would ascend up to Jerusalem, because some of y'all have been to Jerusalem with me, and you know it's in the mountains, So when you say, let us go up to the Mount of the Lord, literally we're ascending up in degrees, okay? And so historians tell us that when the Jews would go up, they would sing certain songs. And this is one of those songs that evidently they would sing on the way up to Mount Zion to worship the Lord, okay? So y'all ready? Okay like we're gonna to have to start over <laughs> psalm 126 come on I'm reading it out of the new king james when the lord brought back the captivity of zion we were like those who dream then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing then they said among the nations the lord has done great things for them the lord has done great things for us and we are glad Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy, and he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Can we say amen? Amen. I'm going to encourage you this morning to keep going. Keep going. Don't stop persevere, now is not the time to quit. Come on, now is not the time to quit. Famous Baptist preacher Jerry Vines, I heard him preach this passage, and he said America is headed for one of three things. The return of Jesus Christ, absolute ruin, or revival. And I don't want the second one. I want the first or third. And to get there, we can't quit. I know a lot of you have been discouraged over the past year, or maybe you're discouraged right here this morning. Well, I'm going to pray that breaks off of you. And you leave here encouraged and ready to go. Amen? That you leave here with just joy in your step. Amen? A great friend of mine, Kent Christmas, prophesied a couple years ago. And he said that God was going to... uh, take out the lukewarm from the church. And I thought, well, okay, Kent. Dude, I can't wrap my mind around that. I don't even know if I theologically agree with that. And then COVID happened. And I hate to say it, but I really believe COVID took a lot of people out who were just lukewarm, who just were lazy. I want to get up in your stuff today, all right? I think it just took out a lot of people who just would prefer Netflix over worshiping the Lord. And we poured a lot of money and resources into online and thank God we did that. You know why? Because God's using it to reach the nations. Monday in my office, I was on a Zoom call with Pakistan. 101 people got saved. 101 people. Awesome. So God's using this stuff, okay? But we can't look at it as a substitute for us worshiping together. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the living room and watch Netflix. <laughs> Let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me. How many were glad this morning? I was glad. So this psalm begins, it's talking about perseverance, it's talking about holding on, it's talking about being an overcomer, it's talking about not stopping. And it begins like this, it says, Lord, when you, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. So what's he talking about? They're talking about when God released Israel from Babylonian captivity. So in Old Testament Bible history, Israel was taken into captivity. Israel at the time, after the days of Solomon, was split into two kingdoms: Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom. The Assyrians came, and in the um, in the 700-ish BC time, and took out the Northern Kingdom of Israel. And then the Babylonians came, 586 BC, and took out the Southern Kingdom of Judah. And God had told him this was going to happen. Read Deuteronomy chapters 28 and 29. He said, these blessings will be upon you if you obey me. But if you don't obey me, then these curses will be upon you. And one of those curses were, your king shall be taken captive and you will be scattered among the nations. And that's exactly what happened. Then if you read in 2 Kings, he gives us the actual account of when it happened and the reason why. This is why. Israel started sacrificing to idol gods. They started making uh, high places to idol gods. They disobeyed everything I said. They disobeyed all my commandments. So what happened? They got taken into captivity. God told them it was going to happen. And then we read those books of the captivity. You know, you have Esther. You have Daniel. You have certain of the prophetic writings that, are, that were written in captivity. And so God was blessing them in captivity. And they thought, hey, this isn't going to be long. They had prophets coming and saying, don't worry, don't put down roots. This isn't going to last long. God's going to get us out of this. Jeremiah wrote and said, nope, they're lying. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil to bring you to an expected end. And in that same passage, build houses, plant vineyards, and have children because you're going to be there a while. And then he eventually allowed Cyrus, this king of Persia, to rise up and take over the Babylonian kingdom. And when that happened, then Cyrus, though he was a pagan, God used him. Isaiah even said, I have anointed him. And God used Cyrus to release the Israelites to go back to their homeland. That's what verse 1's talking about. So when they went back, they said, it was like a dream. What? After 70 years, we actually get to go home? And if you read the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, they came home. A guy named Zerubbabel, who was governor, came and rebuilt the temple. It was amazing. How many of you remember when you got saved? It's kind of like a dream. Is, is God really this good? That he's mine? Like Psalmist said in Psalm 8, Lord, are you, why are you mindful of me? Why do you care about me like this? You're that good to me. Lord, you're awesome. Like a dream, God forgave all sins. Wiped your slate clean. Gave you a new start. Regenerated your spirit within you. Gave you new eyes to see, spiritual eyes to see. Old things passed away, all things become new. Oh, hallelujah. It's like a dream. It was so much like a dream that all the other nations were saying, oh my gosh, look what their God has done for them. And we were marching back saying, yeah, look what God has done for us. But then I think the setting of this psalm isn't, in the return of the captives, I think the setting of this psalm is after they came back to the promised land and then they realized that life wasn't just a bed of roses. But they came back and if you read they encountered problems. Just read the book of Nehemiah. He came back and he saw the ruined city walls and he went and inspected and ruins here and ruins there. Then when they started to work on the walls again, what happened? People came from the outside, Sanballat and his gang coming against them, trying to discourage them, trying to keep them from doing what God had called them to do. And then the old guys came back with Zerubbabel. They rebuilt the temple and when the old guys saw it, they remembered Solomon's temple and they looked at the new temple and they're like, and cried because it didn't compa- it, it paled in comparison to Solomon's temple. So this psalm is written to those who've returned, and they realized life wasn't as easy as we thought it was going to be. And then they pray, Lord. Return our captivity. And I don't, and this, the King James translates it's funky here. If you read it in the NIV, or I'll read it to you in a minute in the message, I think it's much clearer. Lord, release us or give us deliverance again from captivity like you did from Babylon. Do it again. So I see three things in this passage to help you, those of you who are discouraged and you just need a little push and some encouragement this morning. First of all, you got to remember what God did in the past. You have to remember what the Lord did in the past. That's the first thing. So when you approach your current trial or your current struggle, you have to think, God, I remember what you did for me last month, last year, 10 years ago, 25 years ago, and I and I know you're good. No one can come and convince me otherwise cuz I know I think back to when I gave my heart to the Lord. God, I know you're good. If you never do anything else for me in this life, that was enough. That was a blessing, and I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm blessed because of that. And I can look back and think, I was 16 years old. I gave my heart to the Lord, and everything radically changed in my life. And I I know He's good just because of that. Come on, how many can lift your hand and say, I know He's good just because He saved me? Then I can think of times He came and blessed me supernaturally. I'm just thinking right now in my mind, there's images in my mind of certain church services I've been in where I was blessed so much, it blew my mind. Amen. I was in Seattle, Washington in a meeting one time with a friend. And there was this guy, a famous evangelist, he was praying for everybody and everybody was falling out. I said, well, I'm not falling out. I'm not giving a CD, a courtesy drop. I'm not doing that. So when the altar call came, I ran up there, and I stood there. And this guy started running, praying for people, just running. And I thought, here we go. And he came to me, and when he got in front of me, there was a power, a force that hit me, that shot me back several feet and pinned me to the floor. And I thought, what just happened to me? I don't know what happened, but it's awesome, man. <laughs> it's absolutely awesome. I don't know why that's in my mind. God, are you real? Yeah, I know you're real. Do you heal the sick? Yeah, I was with Ted Shuttlesworth one night, and I was playing guitar on stage, and, a, and he had a, a prayer line going on, and I saw him work with this one lady for quite some time praying for her, and then we were out in the lobby after the meeting, and that lady came out in the lobby like this. Someone said, What's wrong with that lady? I said, I think she just received her sight. And I asked Brother Ted. He said, She received her sight. She had never seen her grandchildren before that night. I saw I was there. I was a few feet from it. I don't know, it's in my mind right now. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I saw H. Richard Hall one night walking in Hickory, North Carolina in a Baptist church. He was walking down the row, row preaching. And he stopped and he looked at a man and he said, give me the gun, son. A man reaches down, pulls out a brown paper bag and pulls out like a 357 Magnum. He said, tonight you came to kill your girlfriend and then you were going to kill yourself. But God's going to set you free tonight. I, I've seen these things. It, it, I, you, you come too late to tell me God doesn't do miracles and God isn't good and God can't do all that. Lord, I remember your works. How all, Come on, how many can raise your hand and say, I remember something good that God has done. It was like a dream. It was like a dream. We got out of captivity and we're like those who dream. Oh, is this true? I'm pinching myself. Do you do this stuff, Lord? You know, as Pentecostals, we, we, we love to pray for people to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you do that in America, get ready, because you might be there a while. And it's fine. But I was in the Caribbean preaching one night. I don't know why I'm telling all these. I was in the, these are in my mind. I was in the Caribbean preaching one night, and I gave an altar call. And I said, if anybody wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come. And this, it was a huge church. And they lined the altar from one end to the other. And I thought, oh, Lord. I bit off a little more than I could chew, man. And I went down there and started laying hands on them, and it was like butter. It was like everybody I laid hands on started praying in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. I was with Elias Malky on the island of Cyprus one day, day, and there were these Catholic, Marianite, Lebanese believers there. And Dr. Malky stood up and taught on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we went and prayed for them. Me and him went through that crowd. Every one of them received the baptism of the Spirit. All these Catholics. I'm telling you, Come on, man! You got to get out of your little box and your little get your blinders off. God has done amazing things, and He's still the same God today that He was yesterday, and He's going to be the same God tomorrow that He's always been. Come on, can somebody shout "Amen"? Come on, shout it with me. Remember, and then the second thing they pray is now, God, do it again. God, you delivered us once. Now we have these enemies around us, or there's drought, or there's discouragement. And now, God, would you deliver me again? Could you do it now? Could you do it now? Do it again. Do it in real time. Do it in our day. Do it in our time. Come on, shout it with me. Do it again. Do it again. Come on, shout it out. Do it again. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, he'll do it again. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. So that song was sung by Karen Wheaton. And we did a conference with Karen Wheaton years ago. And she told the testimony of that song. And she said that her husband had been incredibly unfaithful to her through the years, over and over and over again, but she would never leave him. Finally, she said, I'm done. i got to get out of this. And she said they broke up, and she about lost her mind. And in the middle of all that, God taught her how to forgive. God taught her how to get free from all of the past stuff. And then she said, out of nowhere, I received a letter in the mail, and it's from a woman And she said, I've written this song, and I didn't want to send it to any record company. I didn't want to send it to anyone else. The Lord said, Send it to you. And it was in her darkest hour, and she opened that letter, and it was the words of the song, He'll Do It Again. And it became her greatest hit. If you don't know the song, go listen to it. It's old, but it's good. Why? Because God is a God who not just has been, He's not just the God of history. He's the God of right now. In fact, the term Yahweh in Hebrew, yod He vav He, the Tetragrammaton, it's a word that the Jews wouldn't even speak, but it simply means the self-existing one. The self-existing one. And that name appears and comes out in the Old Testament when he spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Moses says, Lord, who shall I say sent me? They're not going to believe me. He said, tell them that I am. That I am. Tell them that Yahweh has sent you. Tell them that I am the God who was, who is, and who will be forevermore. I've never changed. I hate this theology. That's like a revisionist theology where we say, Well, God did things in the Bible, but He no longer does that anymore. He healed people in the Bible, but He doesn't anymore cast out spirits in the Bible. But that was an ancient way of describing disease. I've had guys tell me this. No, He does it today like He did it then. Oh, somebody shout, He'll do it again. again. So got to remember and you have to pray, God, come in our time and do it now. And then the final thing, and this is really what I want to get to, all the rest has been preparatory, is you have to keep moving forward until you see the manifestation of the blessing God wants to give you. You have to keep moving forward. Notice what he said here. He said, verse 5, those who sow in tears. And what does that really mean? There's one translation of this that says those who sow in despair. The idea, some scholars believe that this is written during a drought to encourage the king and the people during a drought. I believe it's post-exilic setting here. They're coming back from the exile and they're discouraged. And God is saying, Go forth and still plant even though it doesn't look like you're going to receive a harvest. About ten of y'all heard what I said, so I'm going to say it again. He's saying go forth and sow and plant even though it doesn't look like you're going to receive anything. So you're sowing in tears. It's a, it's a man. Let's, let's picture an ancient farmer with a leather strap around him and a bag of seed. And he's going out and he's nervous. He's like, oh no, this doesn't look good. Oh no, it doesn't look good. But he's still sowing seed in tears, in anguish, in anxiety. He doesn't know what's happening. It's a 2020. What do we do when tragedy comes? What do we do when uncertainty comes? What do we do when discouragement comes? What do we do when old sins start hearkening and calling us back? What do we do? We keep sowing. We keep sowing in anxiety. We keep sowing when things don't look all that good. What do we keep sowing? We keep sowing good deeds. We keep praying. We keep reading Scripture. We keep worshiping the Lord. We keep believing with everything in us that God's going to do what He said He's going to do. And then he says, they'll sow in tears. And then he says, who goes continually. Who continually goes forth sowing. So we're sowing and we're crying and we're pressing and we're not stopping. We're continually pushing through doing what we know to do. Elizabeth Elliott wrote years ago said, what do you do when you don't know to do? Don't know what to do. You do the last thing God said do, and you just keep doing it till He says something else. You do the last thing God said do. You keep sowing and you keep pushing and you keep weeping, and it's all right to cry. Greatest men of the Bible cried. Jesus cried when. when you know, I think it was uh, Spurgeon that said, tears become liquid fuel for prayer. It's like when you start crying, man, it's all right, let it out. Look what happened. When Jesus cried over Lazarus' tomb, he raised him from the dead. When Jesus cried on the mountain over Jerusalem, he went and cleansed the temple. When Jesus cried in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went and gave his life for us. I mean, it produces amazing things in your life. So don't stop. Look at somebody next to you and say, for God's sake, do not stop. Look at somebody else and say, keep going forward. You can't stop now. you got to keep sowing. you got to keep going. Why? Because the Bible says, if you go out and sow and continually plant, you will doubtless... Come on, everybody say doubtless. You'll doubtless come again. Rejoicing... Bearing your sheaves with you. That means bringing the harvest or bringing the fruit of what you've planted. You will doubtless come again. A shout will return. Joy will come again. Laughter will come again. Fruit will be born from the seed you've been sowing. There's a principle in Scripture. God told Noah, He said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and... Harvest. There will be seed time and harvest as long as the earth remains. No wonder Galatians says that we will reap if we faint not. You're going to reap what you sow. He says in due, in due season you will reap if you faint not. The only condition is, is that we keep sowing. And we don't give up we got to be kind of like the old Rocky movies. In reality, in a real world, there's no way Rocky could have won anything because it's... And I love the sound effects like that. They sounded exactly like that, I'm telling you. And then he's getting beaten to where he would have concussions and brain injuries for the rest of his life. But what happens? At some point, it turns around. And he wins in the end. The only condition was he didn't stay down for the 10 count. He had to get back up and had to keep going. It's like we're guaranteed if we don't, if we don't lay down and bow out and get out of the arena, as long as we stay in the fight, God's going to allow us to win as long as we're in the fight. You shall reap if you faint not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this came to me, I'm telling you, after studying the book of Job for a year, it was like, Lord, there's a retribution principle happening there, that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, but there are times where there are exceptions to the rule. There are times when good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. So what do we do with that? And if you read that and don't interpret it properly, you'll kind of get to thinking, Lord, do I have any authority to pray? Do I have any authority to claim your promises? Is anything good ever going to happen to me in this life? And I'm telling you, Psalm 27 set me free on that. Here's why. Here's David in the midst of fighting and turmoil and running from Saul, and he says this. He says, I would have... Lost heart unless I had believed. I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would have lost heart unless I would have quit. I would have thrown in the towel. I would have given up. I would have packed up my toys and gone home. Unless I had believed that I would see The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He's saying not in heaven, in the sweet by and by. I'm talking in the here and now where people are living, that I would see the goodness of God in my life. So when I read that, I said, there it is. I have the authority and I'm to have the faith and expectation that I'm going to receive good things in this life in God's timing. Because he said, "You will reap in due." That term in Greek is kairos. It doesn't mean it's not Chronos. It's not chronological time that we can mark on a calendar or on a clock. It's God's opportune time. It's when God wants it. So when God, when you sow and you keep sowing, even though you may not see the manifestation of it, you keep doing it. Even though you may cry a little bit, you keep doing it. Even though you may be anxious, you keep doing it. Even though people may be talking about you or not understand you, you keep doing it. You keep doing right, praying right, reading right, worshiping right, doing right to others. You keep doing what you keep believing right. You keep sowing, sowing, sowing. And then at a at an opportune time, when God determines your sowing is going to connect with His divine manifestation of His purpose and promise in your life. Oh, somebody shout Hallelujah. I worked for a brilliant professor one time, and his, his description of faith was this: Faith is when you get an assurance in your heart. Even though you don't see any manifestation of it, you have the assurance in your heart and you start walking. And you keep walking. Even though you don't see the answer, you don't see the manifestation, you just keep walking. Because you got faith. It's the evidence of things hoped for. You walking. You're walking, you're walking, and then at some point, God's divine connection happens. As you keep walking on this continuum, He comes and connects the reception of that promise or the giving of that promise with your walking. Wow. There's a whole lot here. So, what am I saying? I'm saying don't give up, I'm saying don't quit. Come on, I think we're closer to the finish line than ever, and I want everybody to win with me. I want us all to cross the finish line together. If Jesus comes, I want to see you in the clouds. If he doesn't come, I'll see you here, there, in the air. I'll see you somewhere. I want to see you over on the other side. I want us all to shout around the throne one day, all of us together. I want to see you blessed in the here and now. Come on, if you get blessed, i shout for you. Amen. It's not like some people have this stingy understanding of God. Like God has a bank account with X number of dollars. And if he blesses my friend, then there's none left for me. But God isn't like that. Matter of fact, he's kind of the opposite of that. I believe if he's blessing someone close to me, as one preacher said, if he's blessing my neighbor, it means he's in the neighborhood. And if he's in the neighborhood, maybe he's going to stop by my house. Oh, come on, somebody. Somebody. Come on, if he's blessing somebody sitting next to me, I'm sitting right next to them. My God, I might be the next one to be blessed. So for those of you who've walked through uncertain times in the past year but haven't lost your faith, you hang on, you're going to reap. You hang on, your reaping's coming. for those of you who have cried many tears because of heartache and pain, but yet you kept holding on to the promises even when you couldn't see the manifestation. You hold on, my brother or sister, you're going to reap after a while. For those of you who know you're saved and you know you're born again and you've been praying, but it seems like everybody around you is getting blessed and not you, just keep doing good and hold on, my brother, my sister, and faint not because a blessing is coming your way weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning he that endures to the end the same shall be saved hallelujah God never forgets he never forgets your struggle he never forgets what you've been through he never forgets the prayers that you prayed they stand as a memorial before him and my God has a registry in heaven where he's marking down every deed and every seed sown is not forgotten it's remembered by him and he's watering even when we don't see it he's giving Get nourishment even when we don't see it and even when you least expect it God's going to show up open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't even have room to receive come on somebody shout hallelujah come on somebody give him a shout hallelujah oh how many can raise your hand and say brother Hans I want to be in that blessing game You know what my Bible says? He's a God who rides on the storms. He's a God who walks over the seas. Hallelujah. He's a God who speaks life where there's death. He's a God who speaks things grow where there's nothing left. He's a God who sends rain where there's drought. Come on. He's a God who sends blessing where there's cursing. Come on. Just shout it. Hold on. You know, maybe all you see is the drought. Maybe all you see is the storm. Maybe all you see is bills stacking up that you can't pay. Maybe all you see is COVID. And maybe all you see is masks. But let's look up a little bit higher this morning. And let's see a God who rides on the clouds. Hallelujah. A God who's coming after us with so much blessing. We're just going to be like, do it, Lord. Years ago, I had a white van that we traveled in. It was a nice van. Beautiful, extended-looking Dodge van. Glory to God. And I went to see a pastor friend of mine in Richmond one day. And this guy had a Ph.D. His wife was a Ph.D. They were on fire for Jesus. They just loved God, and I loved their attitude. We pulled into his church that morning, and I was riding that van, and he stepped out, and he looked. And he saw it was me. He said, "Oh, brother Hans, how you doing?" I saw that van. I said, "I know the Lord's sending me a brand new van right now." That's it. Like, well, no, it's my van, but I love your faith, brother. And I've never forgotten that. I love that. You know, some people think I'll never get any. I'll never. God's never going to bless me. All I have is woe is me, gloom, despair, and that's that's the he haul generation in this church. Come on. No, really, that's all we think. And we're not even looking for His blessings sometimes. But my God, if we're sowing in tears, we might as well be looking for the coming back, shouting and dancing. Look for the shout. Look for what He's bringing back. Come on, say, don't quit. Don't stop now. We're too close to the finish line. Hebrews, The writer of Hebrews said this, Forsake not the assembling of yourself together... As you see the day approaching, what is the day? The day is the day either of his coming or of judgment. And so as we draw closer to that, it means we need to get more on fire, meet more together, make a greater effort to meet together and encourage one another. Say, don't quit my mom and dad are here this morning and I'm so happy to have them and years ago my dad bought me a Husqvarna motorcycle bless his holy name (laughs) and my brother was like a great athlete and a great racer He became a state champion hair scramble guy in the state of Virginia but I like to ride to think so I raced some with my brother and the first race we ever did was called the brown mountain lights enduro in uh in Lenore North Carolina so, you know, there was this legend that an old man got lost, you know, with a lantern and you see his lights every now and then in the mountains. So the winning trophy had a big light and, you know, like an old, uh, old school light in the top. of Anyhow, it was 80 miles and this 80 miles went through creek beds, fire roads, highways, tight wood sections um, we came up to certain creeks and this other side of the creek looked like this, just a sheer rock wall. And you had to figure out how to get over it. But I did okay. And I came out of this real tight wood section and I hit a fire road, which is like an old logging road. And when you hit those fire roads, you can just twist the throttle and go. So I did. I cranked it up and I thought, thank God I'm out of the woods. And zoom, I took off and I lost control of the bike. And it landed on my right ankle. And soon as that happened, I thought, "This ain't good. <laughs> I'm not feeling really good right now." But I got back on the bike and kind of hobbled into the halfway point, which would have been about 40 miles, and gassed up. And one of our friends was there, who was a championship motorcycle rider. And his dad was pitting for us. And I said, "Man, I can't go on because I've hurt my ankle." He said, "We'll, we'll take your boot off." All the medical professionals, close your ears right now. So I took my riding boot off, and my ankle had swollen, and I knew I'd sprained the ankle, and the foot was swollen, and I thought, well, that's it. He said, put the boot back on. He said, no, put the boot back on and finish the race. Because, Hans, I'm afraid if you don't finish this one, you'll never finish another one. So I put the boot back on and I rode about 40 more miles, excruciating, couldn't even hardly break with the right foot, but made it through wood sections, fire roads, and came back and finished and didn't time out. <laughs> and I thought about that a lot, and it's a tough man's story to tell that. But the point I want to make about it is that I knew what he was trying to do. He was trying to keep that quit from getting in my spirit. Because if quit would have gotten in my spirit, I would have never done anything else racing, right? You can't get that quit in your spirit. Some people have quit in their spirit about church. Some people are professional church hoppers. Church is someplace you come to get your blessing. It's like a smorgasbord. I'm going to City Grill today, but next week I'm going down to Panera. I'm hitting you hard, but I'm trying to help you. Because if you get that in your spirit, you'll never plant roots anywhere and you'll never help anyone and you'll never grow to the capacity you could grow. You need to... But some, well, I don't want to fool with people. Well, tough luck. You're going to go to heaven with billions of people. You might as well get used to us down here. Some people have, some people have that spirit of quit in them about anything in life. About their relationships, about their jobs, about the, everything. Just got the I wanna get it, I wanna take it out of you this morning. Come on, we're not quitters in this church. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make it. He who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. We're gonna make it Take that quit out of you. Get that spirit out that says just give up and quit and there's no use and there's no hope. No, there is, we have faith, hallelujah. Even look at Job, look at all that Job went through, all the trials and all the problems and, and we wrestle with why did this happen and all the philosophy of it, all the theodicy of it. But the bottom line is, in the end, God showed up and gave him a harvest, double what the man had before because he kept sowing and he kept sowing and he kept believing through it all. That God was the God he had proven himself to be. Yes, oh, somebody shout hallelujah! So COVID can't kill the church. The Roman Empire couldn't kill the church. Mao Zedong couldn't kill the church. The Communist Party of Russia couldn't kill the church. The dictators in South and Latin America couldn't kill the church. Come on, nobody. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means we. some may die, some may be persecuted, some may be martyred, but the church is marching on because we have a destiny and that is we're going to stand around the throne with a number that no man can number from every tribe and kindred and tongue and nation. And we're going to give praise to the Lamb forevermore. And John said, through the words of Jesus, through John, that to he who overcomes, I will grant a sit with me. Hallelujah, to he who overcomes, I'll give a crown of life. To He who... How many overcomers do we have in here this morning? Come on, stand on your feet and give him praise. Give him a shout like you're a winner today. Give him a shout like you're an overcomer. Hey, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, don't you just feel like some people say, well brother, I feel like quitting. Don't you just feel like saying, talk to the hand. You're not a quitter, man. Okay, one thing we're gonna pray. This is too, there's so much rich nuggets in this today. Go home and eat this for lunch and dinner. So I'm walking through the, the ruins of Ephesus and in, ancient, in, in the, you know, ancient Ephesus in Turkey a few years ago and we come across this, this big uh, this big stone that had etched in it a symbol of the goddess Nike or Nike. And she was prominently displayed in the city of Ephesus. And she had, you know, the the, the crown of victory on her head, the the sheaves in her hand, the victory stuff. So when Nike shoes, they took that name because it means victory. Well, John the Revelator lived in Turkey and evidently had to pass that Stone quite a few times in his life on a regular basis. And so when he wrote Revelation, just go and do a study of how many times he mentions victory or overcoming or triumph. It's often the same Greek word because I think he knew they think victory is here, but I met the one and sat at table with him. I was at the foot of the cross with the one who won the victory. I ran to the tomb when it was empty and I saw who really has victory. And no, no wonder it kept the words of Jesus kept pouring through him from the Isle of Patmos to he who overcomes, to he who overcomes, to he who overcomes. Come on, so we're born of that DNA. We're cut from that cloth. We're cut from that cloth of victory. Come on, every one of you in here, everyone who's under the blood of Jesus, you're a winner today. You're not a loser. You're going to come back shouting with everything you've sown, and God's going to give you a harvest for everything you've poured. Come on, let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you thanks, Lord. God, I stand against this spirit of discouragement in our church on people's lives, maybe through what they've walked through the past year or what they're going through today. God, I just break that off in Jesus' name. And we just declare freedom in this house, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for lifting up the head of all the believers in here this morning, God, and encouraging them that they can make it, that they can do it, that they can overcome, that there's going to be a victory rally at the end of this thing. And I give you praise for it right now. Thanks so much for watching us online. We're so blessed to, to live in an era where we can come to you. Uh, on this platform and be able to preach the gospel and worship with you right in your home. I don't know where you are today with the Lord, but uh, I wanna close this time with prayer. And whatever needs you have, let's bring them to the Lord right now, but especially if you're not serving the Lord. If you've never accepted Christ into your heart, right now's the time to do that. All you have to do is open your heart and say, Lord, come in, I believe Jesus is Lord, forgive me of my sins I want to change you make that decision in your heart then God's going to come in and he's going to do the rest Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord then you'll be saved in the book of Acts it said call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved so let's pray for these two issues right now okay pray with me Father in heaven I open up my heart I repent of all my sins And I ask Jesus into my life right now. And I thank you that my sins are gone. And I thank you that my life is changed in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I bring before you all the needs of the audience that's watching right now. Everyone who's hurting, they're struggling, they have issues going on. We bring those needs to the throne of God in the name of Jesus. And we ask you, Father, to meet them, to bless right now through the power of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody can say amen. Hey, we love you. Thank you for following us. Thank you for watching us online. I hope to see you again.